Third-party systems. Is there a place for it? I know I feel that way. I felt that way for a very, very long time. Guess who else agrees with me? The one and only Chris Cuomo. You'll be up next on No Mercy. First things first, this is about truth-telling. I have no agenda. I always have questions. What's the problem? That's just who I am. This is what No Mercy is all about. Hey, here I come. You can book it. Ah! This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Breathtaking A move that I make. I give it everything I got. Cause that what it takes. I push the limit till it break. The heart of the brave. The soul of a legend with the will to be great. Hold up. Welcome. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the latest on No Mercy with yours truly, Stephen A. Smith, coming at you three times a week, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, everywhere you can find your podcast. There's a lot on my mind this week, and it's going to be a lot on my mind in the weeks to come because obviously the midterm elections are coming up. And even though there's a lot of things that I've discussed already, talking with LL, talking with Snoop Dogg, talking to the wonderful Ariva Martin, who's a CNN political analyst, um, I've obviously got a lot on my mind, but I'm going to let you know a little bit about me as we tackle this next subject. When we think about who our guest is going to be on today's show, former CNN host, the one and the only Mr. Chris Cuomo. For those of you who may not remember, he was let go by CNN in December. Uh, CNN felt that his behavior violated their policies and what have you. He was uh, helping his brother, former governor of New York State, the one and only Andrew Cuomo, Cuomo, embroiled in a controversy involving sexual misconduct. The accusations that were levied against him, Chris Cuomo was his brother, is his little brother, and felt the need to help his brother. But there were questions as to how he was going about doing that. And those are the kind of things we'll talk to him when he comes up as a guest on this very edition of No Mercy. But one of the reasons I brought up Chris Cuomo this early, before the interview even began, is because recently I saw him appear as a guest on HBO's Real Time with Bill Maher. And at, during that appearance, Chris Cuomo brought up the need for additional parties, the need to be significantly less dependent if flat out non-dependent at all on a two-party system that pervades the politics in the United States of America. Ladies and gentlemen, I got news for you. I didn't need to have a single damn conversation with Chris Cuomo to know I agreed with him. Because somebody needs to say it, so I'm going to say it. Our two-party system sucks. I've never liked it. I've never believed in it. I've never vibed with it. This is why you see me over the airwaves going off from time to time. When somebody's extreme one way or the other. No, I do not like what Republicans are doing in our nation's capital in this day and age. 
I don't like the progressives, D, either. And by saying I don't like them, I don't mean I don't like them individually. Stop being petty and trying to twist my words and have my producer with no hair scratching his hair like it's got hair on the top of his head. No, that is not what I'm saying. I'm talking about the agenda that folks push forward. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm a defender and supporter of the LGBTQ community. But I don't like when a Republican is on Capitol Hill and he's asking some professor in Stanford a simple question and they say the question itself is transphobic. What? We can't ask questions in the United States of America? What the hell is going on here? I've got my daughters talking to me about nouns and pronouns. I can't say he or she. I can't do that. I have to be informed. I have to be edified. I have to be educated. No, daddy. No, daddy. No. It's they. It's not a he or she. And you need to respect that. I didn't know I was being disrespectful. It took me years to gravitate to that point. I wasn't aware. I do not like illegal immigration. I think something needs to be done about it. But I'm a believer that both parties need to come together on a bipartisan level and find a remedy to this problem. Do I like the fact that you got governors like Abbott in Texas or DeSantis in Florida shipping migrants to Martha's Vineyard or New York or D.C.? No, I don't like it. We're talking about human lives here. Displacement of families, potentially. I don't like it one bit. But it is a problem. And I don't think we can avoid the fact that DeSantis and Abbott did make a point. I don't like the way they did it. But damn, they made the point. If you Eric Adams, the mayor in New York City, if you're Lightfoot in Chicago, if you're somebody in Massachusetts, you know what the lesson with that is? Shut the hell up. If you can't handle migrants coming into your city and it's going to involve you needing extensive additional funding and you know you don't have it, which makes it so inconvenient for you that even at Martha's Vineyard, you can't handle 50 migrants coming into your town. It might behoove you to be quiet. And by be quiet, I don't mean silence, literally. I mean picking up the phone and having private conversations instead of making your public opinions known to the world. Therefore, you think you look good. Ladies and gentlemen, in the world of business, tell me one person you can go up to and you could go like this. You're a racist. You're a xenophobe. You're a trifling, no good bastard of a human being. I can't stand you while at the same time sticking your hand out to do business with them. Tell me who you're going to pull that off with. Politicians are doing that every day. They talk about each other like trash. They collaborate with one another, one party against the other, march lockstep with one another, not thinking about the repercussions or the ramifications of anything 
beyond appealing to their constituency so they can remain in office and in power. That's our problem. And where the hell is that going to get us? None of them deserve to be trusted. None of them. That's why I was fascinated at the thought of having a conversation with Chris Cuomo about this very subject. Where am I getting my information from? What the hell are you talking about, Stephen? I mean, my God, I mean, who the hell are you? Why are you bringing this up today? Okay, I get the question. Let me give you a couple of answers. We all know that Republicans lean heavily on a conservative white vote. That's no secret to anybody. I mean, stop the presence. I'm not trying to say that Trump didn't get eight to 12% of the black vote or that some Latinos, the Hispanic community didn't vote for Trump when, uh, which obviously made him the president of the United States in 2016. I'm not trying to say that, but for the vast majority of times, if you're a Republican, even to this day, the muscle behind you are white conservative males. Period. And females to some degree, but white conservatives. Reuters asked nearly 1,600 Republicans their opinions and priorities heading into the 2022 midterm elections. Do you know what the polls showed? A, it's still Trump's party. Republicans continue to be fixated on the U.S.-Mexican border, a region of deep concern for Trump, especially older Republicans who are most likely to want tighter immigration controls. So immigration is a big thing, primarily because it's Trump and it's scared to death of him. They're still chasing conspiracies, by the way. Let's be clear about, be clear about that. The man lost the damn election. Everybody knows that. Behind closed doors, they were saying, this dude is off his rocker. They get in front of the cameras. They're like, hey, we're with them. I mean, come on. We're here with you. We're going to march lockstep with you, buddy. I mean, you're our guy. You're our guy. False notion. 2020 election was stolen from Trump. Still remains one of the most animated forces within the party. Suddenly, Republicans are motivated now more than ever with a desire to weed out election fraud despite zero evidence of widespread vote rigging in last year's elections. Republicans are united in the criticism of Biden's economy, of course. I am too. I ain't going to front. Don't give me numbers. I said it to you before. I'm going to say it to you on this podcast many damn times. When white folk catch a cold, black folks catch pneumonia. No matter how bad it is, for y'all, it's always worse for us. Unemployment at 11%. Back in the day, when we were going through what some would term a Great Depression in 2007, 2008, it was more than that for black people. The economy is much, much better these days. Unemployment rate is in the three percentile. Still at least double for that for black people. Don't get me started on black men and how the economy has affected us. And you can talk about low unemployment rate now all you want to. You can talk about labor participation all you want to. But damn, now we got inflation. The value of the dollar has limited. The price of milk, the price of cereal, the price of gas. Everything's blown up. I would know. Those are all things I spend my money on. I'm a cereal fanatic. I need milk. I know the price. By the way, I buy lactate-free milk. 2%. 
That's my life. That's what I like. I don't drink the whole milk. It's the lactate-free milk that I drink. I know the price of it, damn it. They see me in Target a lot. So I know what I'm talking about. Don't get me started with gas. I was in L.A. the other day. It cost me $120 to fill my tank. $120. I ain't broke and I still hurt. It pinched me. Money matters. Oh, by the way, did you learn? The Republicans, they also divided on climate and race. There's a significant amount of disagreement within the party on the importance of climate policy and the severity of racial inequality. Where have we heard that before? It's 2022, ladies and gentlemen. We still got these issues. And Democrats, don't let them off the hook. <sighs> Roe v. Wade. Overturned. It's cool. Somebody that works for me, exception of what he does, Michael Onofre, he, he you know, he, he's very passionate about these things. So is Sherry McCovey. She is too. Mike, a brother from another mother. He's white. Sherry's a black woman. Vibrant and outspoken as ever. They know where I'm going. Because they work with me and they help compile this research for me. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen? Yeah, Roe v. Wade was overturned. Don't we have a Democrat in the White House? Don't we have the Democrats running Congress? Although it's evenly divided in the Senate, doesn't the deciding vote go to the vice president who's under the president, who's under the Democratic wing? Ain't that true? But it was still overturned. By the Supreme Court. A Supreme Court that's a 6-3 majority in part because we didn't go to the polls enough. In part because Hillary Rodham Clinton won the popular vote but didn't win the Electoral College vote. In part because Ruth Bader Ginsburg, former Justice of the United States, Supreme Court Justice of the United States, God rest her soul, didn't want to retire because she assumed that Hillary would win, not Trump. And she wanted to make sure that a woman selected her successor when she ultimately stepped away. We don't bring any of that up. Everybody want to escape culpability. Crimes in the street, elevating throughout the cities of the United States of America. We want to act like that ain't existent. Yeah, you don't preach about defunding the police now, but you did a couple of years ago. Now, according to a recent article that I read in the nation's capital, they talked about how 100 police officers throughout the country have retired. More than that, actually, but they're talking about the ones specifically who've retired to run for elected office, all of whom are running under the Republican banner. So the Democratic Party yet again has been stigmatized as being soft on crime. Here's the sad part. We don't know what the hell is true or not. Numbers are fudged, if not flat out hidden. Statistics are compromised all the damn time. We turn to our television set, one side, same facts. One side has one spin, the other side has another spin. And guess what? 
We can't even trust the news because the news has compromised our ability to trust them because they're going to lead towards the ratings. And if people want their own spin and they're gravitating to that spin and not the news, then guess what? You ain't paying attention to the news. You're paying attention to the spin. I'm sick of it. I can't trust no damn body anymore. Can you? Really, can you? Something's got to give. Something's got to happen. What exactly is an independent voter? Because that's what, who I am. It's also called an under, unaffiliated voter or a non-affiliated voter in the United States. Essentially, it's a voter who doesn't align themselves with a the political party. An independent is variously defined as a voter who votes for candidates on issues rather than on the basis of a political ideology or partisanship. Ladies and gentlemen, that is me to the core. Chris Cuomo has indicated that might be him to the core. I know Bernie Sanders. The known, the renowned socialist himself might be perceived as an independent in a lot of people's eyes. Not mine! I think it's safe to say anybody that doesn't mind taking 70% of your money in taxes or beyond ain't no damn Republican. Joe Lieberman, another dude. Former vice presidential candidate for the United States of America. The same dude who appeased and pleased Republicans because he was willing to turn his back on Obama and vote with McCain. Because he revered McCain's military service. You can point to those guys all you want to and then some as independent thinkers and voters or whatever. All I'm telling you is this. I'm an independent voter for a different reason. I don't trust either damn side. They all get on my nerves. I'm not naming names because I'm not trying to get specific. I'm saying that we're living in a nation right now where change has to occur, where somebody has to build and elevate a level of trust from us in them. How in God's name are we going to help make this world a better place if we don't pull that off? That's where I'm coming with it. I'm going to find out where Chris Cuomo was coming with it, too. He's up next on No Mercy with Stephen A. Don't touch that dial. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high? I'm excited to talk to my next guest for this show. He hails from a political dynasty. His father, Mario Cuomo, who my parents loved, by the way, served as the 52nd governor of the great state of New York. His brother, Andrew Cuomo, served as New York's 56th governor until he resigned last year. This is an Emmy award-winning journalist, former CNN co-host. His new primetime show, Cuomo, debuted October 3rd on News Nation. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome veteran journalist Chris Cuomo. Chris, how are you, buddy? How's everything, man? I feel very lucky to be sitting across from you in what I know is going to be a successful new endeavor for you. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And I feel the same way about you as well. First things first, how are you doing? 
I think that's the first question that's appropriate considering all that you've been through over the last nine, eight, eight to nine months or so. How are you doing? I'm better. Kids are good. Wife's good. Family's good. Uh, live and learn. Live and learn. Live and learn. I'm ready to go. Put into perspective what these months have been like for you, because when you say you're doing better, obviously you had some rough times. Talk to me about what your mindset was like and what you've been going through over the last eight to nine months. You know, at first I tried to remember that I've seen real struggle, real crisis, real pain, and to keep it relative. So, you know, losing your job, so what relatively, you know, getting beat up in the press, so what relatively, kids were healthy. But then what happens is at the end of the day, Stephen, all pain is personal, you know? So you can say, sure, a lot of people have had it so much worse, but it doesn't mean that you can just ignore uh, your own situation. So eventually I had to put my arms around it. I had to talk uh, to my therapist about it, Up, you know, uh, a significant increase in self-care, um, which I had never really done before, uh, but now I'm all about mm-hmm. it. Let myself be disappointed, let myself be upset at myself, at others, whatever, and work my way through it to figure out what the lessons were. Um, Because I am not a guy who leans on too much for understanding. I'm not a guy who takes solace in fate or destiny or even luck. I think what happens is what you make happen or what somebody else makes happen to you. I don't believe everything happens for a reason, but I do believe this. Um, the smart man or woman finds a reason for everything that happens, sees an opportunity, even in things that suck. And it was a lot of learning. You know, my kids went through some stuff because of this, my wife, uh, my siblings, my mom, and it was a lot of guilt. But then I decided, you know, I got to do something with it. I, I have to make myself better through this. I have to create better opportunities. I have to do what I do differently uh, and just make some kind of purpose to the pain, you know? And that's how I decided to move forward. Let me give you my perspective. If I was a political pundit, which I'm not, uh, if I was a political pundit, here's how I would have interpreted the story that involved Chris Cuomo. You were working at CNN. Your brother was the governor. You uh, Obviously, they let you go. They felt that, um, you know, just you had a, you had trouble. You mixed your roles as brother and broadcaster um, in terms of trying to help him along. My position has been this. Why not just step out of the role and say, this is my brother. He claims he's innocent. I believe him. I love him. He's family. And I'm going to step away to go and help him. To me, it's that simple. And if that had happened, none of this would have ever happened to you. Do you view it the way that I just interpreted it? You have the benefit of hindsight. Um, Yeah. One caveat, and then I'll agree with you. Sure. I don't know that had I taken a leave to help my brother, that the same people that wound up calling for my head wouldn't have said he can't come back, um, that he crossed the line and now he's, he did all these things for his brother, which is what bothers me about this because it's just not true. What they say I did um, to help my brother is just not true. But another part of it for me, Stephen, that, that makes perfect sense if I had been asked to do that. You know, gotcha. my, my audience always seemed to understand that I'm not objective about my brother and I don't cover my brother. Every time I had him on during the pandemic, it was really about feel and family, Mm -hmm. not facts. I wasn't there to grill him like I do everybody else. Um, But, you know, if I had been offered that opportunity, 
Um, maybe that would have been a better way, but I don't know that they would have let me back in uh, once I was out for the same reasons that they wanted me out. Um, but all I know is if I had known at the time that this was some fatal flaw, what I was doing, I wouldn't have done it. Uh, I mean, I would have helped my family, but mm -hmm. I wouldn't have put myself in the position. So obviously, there must have been something going on that made me feel that that wasn't necessary. Uh, mm. And that's what my situation was, is that, you know, the audience seemed to get it. My bosses seemed to get it. Everybody seemed to get it until they didn't. And, you know, how long am I going to live in my sense of satisfaction or dissatisfaction about how people handled it? Mm. Um, I was never an easy fit. I've never been an easy fit in the media. I'm really kind of one of one, you know, somebody who grew mm -hmm. up in politics the way I did and was around the media yep. the way I was and, you know, who's covered the world in the last 25 years the way I have. You know, mm -hmm. it's I'm kind of a special case. Um, mm -hmm. And I get why people were upset. I don't think that many of my critics operated on full facts. But again, mm -hmm. that's the way it goes. And eventually, if you can't fix, you got to find a way forward. Um, and for a while, I wasn't going to come back and do this anymore. What made you decide to come back? Well, <clears throat> here's what happened. So I start the podcast, Chris Cuomo Project. Yep. And I'm like, all right, this is the new frontier. Everybody always told me I missed the halcyon. I missed the best days of TV news. I, I don't think that's true. But, but certainly digital and what you're doing here, this is, this is the new new. Um, mm -hmm. So I wanted to get into that. I wanted to own something. Obviously, I'm a little shy about having bosses after what happened. But then, you know, you just start to listen. And people know me from TV. And people miss me being in the mix. And if my point was my, my reason to be professionally, right? I mean, like you, my reason to be is my kids, my family, right. uh, my extended family. Yeah. That's the responsibility that matters to me first. Uh, that it always has. And I don't even see that as surprising. I mean, where I was grew up, you know, the people in my life, everybody like that. But my why in terms of why I do what I do is to try to help people um, hold power accountable and make better choices for themselves and understand uh, when a game is being played on them, when they're being played for suckers. That's what I do. And there's a need for that. There's an expectation that I would be helping if that's what I'm about. So I decided I had to come back. But you know what? That's not so easy because when you get your ass kicked, you know, the idea that you just want to get up, brush yourself off and get right back in there, you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe most people are just tougher than I am, but it's definitely something that I had to think about. Well, I don't think you got your ass kicked, to be quite honest with you. And I think you're absolutely right. You are missed. I consider you brilliant at what you do. You're a Yale graduate. You come from a great family. As far as I'm concerned, I, I thought a lot of it was ridiculous and unfair. And I've, I've been on the record stating that even though I haven't been covering politics. I wish you had handled it a little bit differently in terms of what you had revealed to them. But then again, I don't know everything. You do. And so when you say that the truth hasn't been told about you. There were a lot of lies being told before I move on from this portion of the interview. Could you be specific about what lies people told about you so my audience will know what, you, what was lied on about you? I was never a mastermind of anything. If anything, I was an inconvenience to my brother's team um, because I didn't see things the way they did. Um, and not for better or worse, just different perspectives. 
I never went after or helped anybody go after any of the women who made accusations. I was constant and consistent in telling my brother and his people, you cannot go after the women who made the allegations. I get that that sounds unfair from a prosecutorial perspective, but this is politics. And on his team, the Democrats, they believe the accusers. So I felt he was in a box. I never manipulated any media coverage of him. And, th and that's easy. You don't have to believe me. Where are the journalists that I work? <laughs> what are they? What are they protecting me? You know, right. come on. And if I'm wrong and I did do these things and the texts that came out from the attorney general prove it, why didn't the attorney general accuse me of the things that I was accused of by the media? She had sections in her report on going after accusers, on media manipulation. I'm not mentioned in either section. So you don't have to believe me, but the attorney general of New York came to the same conclusion. Um, now I get that it was uncomfortable. I never lied. I never hid anything. I never had anything to hide. I get that just on the face of it, as you say, it looks dirty. I get it. And often conflict and ethics is about the smell test. If someone had said to me, this smells bad, you got to go, then I would have. If somebody mm. told me, hey, we got new ownership, Stephen, um, they don't like you. They don't like your brother. They don't like your face. Whatever it is, they don't like it. I would have gone. I mean, right. you'd have to know me better to understand that. But it, it's not like I don't want to be where I'm not wanted. I don't want to be where I'm not needed. And I'm not a litigious person. And I'm not a sore sport. I get it. I grew up in this business. I understand how things go sideways and that people act out of self-interest. But that's the only thing, that this idea that, oh, he was doing all these things that he never told anybody – that's not true. And there'll be nobody who was involved with it who can show anything that proves, ah, oh, look at this. He never told us about this. It's just not true. It's just not true. I can tell you this, I can tell you this Chris. Everybody that I've run across uh, throughout media and beyond have all said the same thing. Could he have handled it differently? Sure. But all of us would have wanted to help our brother, and we probably would have. And I think that's how it looks at it. And I asked this question. Did your brother try to discourage you from being helpful because he is your big brother. And th the possibility is there that he might've said, Chris, you don't need to do anything. You don't need to involve yourself with this. You got your own life. I'm a big boy. I can handle it. Sometimes big brothers do that. Would your brother, did your brother ever take that position in any way? It wouldn't make sense. My brother and I do everything together. You know I mean? I didn't help him be governor. He's way smarter than I am. And he does that. And I don't really have a great feel for politics or policy. Um, he doesn't need me that way, but mm -hmm. I, I, I don't, it's just, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know how to explain it simply, but it's just not how we are. Um, gotcha. look, I mean, I'm starting a new show. I'm not mm -hmm. feeling great. He knows I'm doing something uh, on my car today cause I'm too stupid to just rest. And he just <laughs> shows up in my house. It's right. a two and a half hour drive for him. I didn't ask him to mm -hmm. come. Um, right. he didn't even tell me he was coming because I would have said, mm -hmm. don't come. But that's what we do. Family, trouble, go. Uh, you know, in good times, we can be at each other's throats as much as any family. You know, maybe more. I don't know. But it's, it's not even a question. If I had a problem, I know he'd be there. I wouldn't even ask him. And he's never asked me either. So, I look, I think the benefit of hindsight is a big deal in these analyses, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. But, you know, by the time we had a reason to believe that this was going to go sideways for me, it already was. Mm. So here's what I take stock in. I know what I did and what I didn't do. 
and that's enough for me. And I know what I'm about and what I'm not about, and that's enough for me. And this was really easy on one level for me to adjust to because here's where my head wound up. I did not do what uh, was suggested, but I am flawed. I have made mistakes. I have done bad things in my life. I've done things I want to do differently. I've been selfish. There's a whole list of what you could call sins or transgressions or wrongs that I am nobody not to suffer. I am nobody to feel that I don't deserve this. That's BS to me. And even though it wasn't right here, I'm nobody not to be put in a bad position. I've had a very, very blessed life. Uh, I have a lot of opportunity. I have a lot of people around me who care about me. And there would never be a second of me feeling sorry for myself. There's no basis for it. There's no value to it. Uh, and it's not being who I want to be. Well, let me give you a nugget of news just in case you haven't accepted this. You could talk about yourself being flawed all you want to, and that's all of us. But there's millions of people that will point out that Chris Cuomo did a hell of a lot of good. Uh, I know I'm one of those people who feels that you've done a hell of a lot of good. So I'm very, very happy to be talking to you right now. Before I move on to some politics and to your show, my last question would be this. You talked about therapy. Is that something that you have done for years or is it something that you decided to do after all of this unfolded and you saw the effect that it was having not just on you, but as you talked about your family, your wife, your children, your mother, etc.? When did that come about? Both. I have a very okay. good uh, aspect to me. Um, the flip side of being a little bit of a self-loather and very self-critical is I'm open to change at all times. I'm always willing to change. My wife found the therapist many years ago. We've been married 20 plus years. There was some phase where like a bunch of the couples around us started to shit the bed. And she said, these people, they get along better than we did. So she found the therapist. We start going to couples therapy. I'm getting, I, you know, I'm getting beaten up like Tyson's first 11 fights. You know what I mean? I'm like, trying to go there. And there, I'm taking it, taking it, taking it, taking it. I can't go. And after like a few of the episodes, I, like, I kept coming out of there. I'd be like dizzy. I'd be like, whoo. And she'd be like, that was great. I can't wait till next week. I'd be like, is there, is there blood? <laughs> um, I'm like, home with you tomorrow. So the therapist said, Christina doesn't have to come anymore. I was like, but I thought this was oh. couples therapy. And the therapist said, yeah, I know. But you're the one I need to see. So <laughs> oh my that was it. And then he became my therapist. And I think that the relationship I have with this man is one of the most important ones in my life. And he's developed into a life coach. So what happened when I started dealing with this is first I hid from him, which is kind of um, par for the course. When I'm going through something hard, I'll kind of close up. And he reached out and he was like, this is not the time for you to hide. It's the time for you to expand. And I started seeing him more. Uh, I started trying medication to deal with this, uh, you know, this kind of hole that I was in emotionally where I just couldn't not see doom, not mm -hmm. see another bad thing, not see something else, you know, not be afraid. Are you talking the last few months or just are you talking about this, this is before everything happened? No, this I've seen you... him before for years. Yeah, but you take a medication. changed when right. I got shit canned because got I really closed in because, you know, I'd never, I, I've seen a lot of bad things and I've lived through a lot of hard things, but I I wasn't ready for this. And mostly because I didn't see it coming. And that was scary to me because I've always prized my perspective. 
you know, that usually I see things coming. So I started meeting with him more. I was open to him when he said, look, you are not getting yourself out of this hole. Emotionally, this is too much. You need something to help take the edge off and help you process. And I was like, I don't need any medicine. And I'm not, I'm not crazy. And he was like, you'll take anything that anybody ever offers you for anything. Allergies, muscle, fat, weight loss, energy. I'll take anything. And it is true. I'll try anything. And he was like, but you won't take this, right? I was like, well, I mean, I just don't. He's like, that's your weakness. That's stigma. Don't be mm. like that. You're better than that. Um, so I tried it. And what's happened? <clears throat> I'll tell you what. So this isn't like, you know, taking vitamin C, right? You, you have to let it titrate in your system. And my instinct early on was, well, if I'm in, I want all of it. Give me the, I want the right. most. Give me the most. I'll take right. the most. And yeah, he's like, exactly. that's not how it works. We got to start small and see. I was like, no, if it's going to be good, more is better. Let's go. Let's go. And, and he's like, no, no. And then it turned out that I'm very chemically sensitive. Mm. So when we were at a pediatric dose, I started to feel like these clouds were parting. Mm. You know, Churchill called his depression the black dog. And you'll see commercials where people... I have like a blue blob following them around or some people talk about the gray. Um, yeah. And it's just like this thing that's around you that catches your breath and that is kind of a veil over everything you see. Mm. And it really helped that veil be um, apparent to me. Mm -hmm. And I started to feel different and differently. And I was able to to understand what my doctor was talking to me about. And then I started to hear from the people in my life about the, the way I had been processing things and the things I had been saying and, you know, nothing. Again, I'm, I don't believe in luck, but I'm a very fortunate person. It's not like I wanted to hurt myself or hurt anybody else or anything like that, but I wasn't showing any optimism. I wasn't, I wasn't showing any ambition. I wasn't showing any drive. I was, everything was negative. Everything was going to be bad, you know, um, I kept like little things like my son said, you know, you keep handing me things when you want to open them because you say, I'm going to spill this. You take this, open mm -hmm. this. I'm going to spill this. Right. And the medicine and the therapy and the thinking about it and the walking and the meditation while I'm walking of trying to process really helped Stephen and really put me in a different mindset where now I... I've always, I am now the way I've always thought I was before this happened, which is whatever happens, happens. I only control certain things. And when it happens, then I'll deal with it. But I can't get ahead of where I am right now. And I really think the medication helped with that. And um, after a while, it started to do a little bit uh, different things with my sleep. So we changed it. We reduced it, even though it was already at a fairly low dose. But again, I'm pretty chemically sensitive. I, 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 right. I responded and I feel good about it now. And, you know, people say to me, well, then why don't you stop taking it? I said, cause I, I feel good. I, you know, I don't want to go off it. And maybe, maybe I'll start to feel differently. And they're like, yeah, mm -hmm. but you know, like even people I care about, sophisticated people say to me, yeah. like they'll hear this podcast because we have a, I have a lot of my people are your fans. Um, they'll say, why'd you tell them that, man? People are going to think there's something wrong with you. I said, there is something wrong with me. That's why I took the medicine, 
because it, yeah. it helped it. You know, I got congestion right now. I'm taking yeah. decongestants. Yeah. I'm going to stop taking them when I'm not congested anymore. Let, let me chime in. Let me chime in here. Go ahead. Because I want to know, based on- Pouring out my soul to you, Stephen. And I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I'll do the same. I'll do the same. But, but let, me, let me say this. Let me ask you this. Because we grew accustomed, even though you work different places, including ABC, I might add, before you ever got to CNN, we grew accustomed to seeing a certain Chris Cuomo. So based on what you're telling us now, the medication, the therapy, the impact that it has had on your life, how much better it's made you. Now that we've got the Chris Cuomo project, now that we've got News Nation, are we going to see the same Chris Cuomo we grew accustomed to seeing that millions of people watched every night? Or is there going to be an alteration, a modification somewhere? I think it's an and. Um, there's absolutely no question that if you put somebody in front of me that is faking the funk in terms of their responsibility to the American people, right? it's, uh, it's going to get ugly early, as it always has been. Not with animus. I'm not an insulter. That's not what I do. Mm -hmm. I'm not built for Twitter uh, or right. social media. I treat people with decency and I treat them with respect even if they don't treat me with respect. It's when they right. go sideways on the audience uh, yeah. or the facts that they have a problem. You can call me whatever you want. That's called winning in my book. You start insulting right. me, you're losing the argument. So I'm, <laughs> I'm still that right. guy. But what I had is the benefit of opportunity to be on the sidelines. And what I will not do the same way is I'm not going to referee the game of left versus right. I'm not going to spend the kind of time that I would have about um, what Trump said about Mitch McConnell, mm -hmm. uh, what Trump said about the search in Mar-a-Lago, the latest right. on the uh, contradiction of the special master by the district court judge. I'm not going to do that play by play as much as I used to. What I'm going to say is, <clears throat> here's what matters in that, to the extent that anything matters beyond volume. Mm -hmm. And then they should be talking about this. They should be talking about that. That's what's going to be different about this show. And I'm going to have people on like you who can give us perspective on where we are and what matters as people beyond politics right. that I didn't have time for at CNN mm -hmm. because there was so much intensity of focus and such a limited aperture. I want to open the aperture and I want to appeal to more people that aren't hyper politically motivated. I want more regular people. I'm so glad you said that because you see, I don't. When people say, Stephen A., you're venturing beyond sports, you're going to get into politics or whatever. I'm not Chris Cuomo. I interviewed Sean Hannity. I'm not him. I'm not guys who do this for a living. And what I will do is be that guy that's the layman that's coming in and saying, this is how it looks to me. This is how it makes sense to me. And the average Joe out there explain to us. And I'm the kind of person that's going like this. I will literally say, could you please go watch Chris Cuomo on News Nation? Could you please go and listen to the Chris Cuomo Project? He knows more than me, damn it. I'm not trying to pretend like I'm some aficionado. This is not sports. I, I don't know this. This is just how it looks to me. This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh -huh. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high? But I wanted to get to you about the, third, the issue of a third-party system. Because I was watching you with Bill Maher. 
who, by the way, I recently spoke to. And you'll hear me on his podcast as well. And he, he's a fascinating individual. And I loved you two talking to one another. And when you came out and you gave him the interview, I thought that was highly appropriate because he's a guy that knows you and gets you and what have you. And I just loved you being on his show. But you talked about yourself being a free agent as opposed to an independent. You didn't want to use that word. You didn't like the word. I have called myself an independent for years. I'm neither a registered Democrat nor a Republican. And I said, damn it, Chris Cuomo just told me I'm independent ain't the way to go either. What the hell? Now I need education. What's the difference with the free agent and the independent? Here's my point. I'm not really talking about me as much as I'm talking about you and um, the, the people who are watching news coverage. Independent is obviously the fastest growing percentage of the electorate because the two-party system has failed us and people are tired of the toxicity. And we have magnified um, angry minorities. And people like me made a mistake of making social media a proxy for Vox Populi, the voice of the people, and it isn't. Twitter is not reality. And that's a mistake. That's a mistake. Uh, And people are hooked on it now. And they see it as this is the vibe. This is what I'm supposed to monitor. And it's a mistake. Uh, And we have to get back to our communities and off of social media. You're better off Mm -hmm. talking to people where you go get your coffee in the morning than you are going on social media to figure out how to feel. Now, independent is fine because of the rejection of the two-party system. I don't like the suggestion of an independent being out for themselves. I forget about everybody else. We have to be interdependent, interconnected. That's what makes America work. We don't share enough things in common if we don't care Mm -hmm. about each other intrinsically on the basis of what we're trying to solve here and what we're trying to do as an experiment. So I say a free agent, meaning no team, no tribe, open mind, open heart, willing to listen to what you disagree with. That's what will create change and has always created change in this country. What got us from Plessy v. Ferguson to Brown versus the Board of Education, separate but equal to integration in schools, was not simply the Supreme Court. It was that in the intervening years, the culture developed where regular people who were blessed with being able to grow up around diversity and learned to understand and love and be loved by people who don't look like them, who don't pray like them, uh, who don't practice culture like them, where it became absurd to us here. It wasn't as simple as the law changing. Culture has to change. Right now, we're in the same place. Culture has to change, and the regular people change culture, not the fringes. And the good news is, even though we've exaggerated the impact of the fringe and it's killing us politically, more and more people are pulling away from it. That's why I'm going to News Nation, by the way. I had opportunities to do other things. I had opportunities to just stay on my own. One, a little bit of it was personal that I'm not going back to a place that I think um, didn't treat me fairly during this process. But that's like, you know, that's juvenile bullshit. But that, you know, I'm, but that's me. I'm petty and okay. weak, you know, so that's there. I also- I wouldn't say weak. I mean, it could be a little petty, but sometimes it's necessary. Yeah, it's necessary. But I'm just saying, look, it's now every time I'm not the way I would tell you to be, if you were asking right. me for advice, Fair. I got it you. pisses me off. But if I'm, I'm nothing if not consistent when it comes to mistakes, I make the same mistakes- with such frequency that it is staggering to me mm. how I do it. I remember when I was a ball player, I had um, the same inclination. Every time I would catch, when I played rugby, every time I would catch a punt, I would always step right and go left automatically. And I would watch it and I'd be like, why do I do that? I have to mix it up. And then I wouldn't do it. You know, sometimes it's hard to change certain things about you. So 
I was already number one at a big cable outlet. Uh, CNN, which, by the way, I'll never be a hater of. I think it's the best organization in the world. I think they have great right. horses and great people and a great mission. I'll see how they change now, but I got no hate for them. I don't like what happened with me, but I'll never be a hater of CNN. I think internationally, uh, worldwide, nobody comes close, in my opinion. You, you are going through something with them right now, legally, right? Well, look, <clears throat> the contract yeah. says you got to arbitrate. Gotcha. It is not acceptable to me to have it out there that I got shit can because I lied to them. Um, And it matters enough to me to hemorrhage cash, uh, you know, litigating it against a place where the money is irrelevant to them. But I'm going to arbitrate it. I'm going to let the arbitration stand as what should be believed and what shouldn't be believed. And I need that personally. I need that. I don't need it to talk to everybody else. I don't want to hurt anybody. I'm not vengeful. Um, I'm not bitter. I'm none of that. But I need that. So I'm going to deal with that privately. I'm not talking any shit about anybody there because I don't feel like that. I don't like what happened, but it's not animus. I don't want to hurt people. I don't want to see people hurt. I don't want to, I don't have any schadenfreude. I don't want to see CNN go down. I don't like when people suggest that to me. It doesn't make me feel good. There are families there that I care about. And there's a job that matters that they do very well. And that's Mm -hmm. the truth. Now, I was number one on CNN. So what is, where is the growth? What is the new? What I like about News Nation is it's kind of like the podcast world in that. Is it? Yeah, because you're building your own audience. There is no built-in audience there. It's a startup. So there's no groupthink that I have to accommodate. It's not like I'm coming into a bunch of Jets fans, you know, where I have to pretend that getting this quarterback back today is somehow going to change things when he's taken as large a dose of suck as any of their quarterbacks has. You know, I don't have to deal with the groupthink. So I'm organically trying to build an audience. Like people are going to be surprised by my guests. They're going to be surprised when you come on. They're going to be like, who did Stephen A. Smith kill? You know, why is Stephen A. Smith on? What did he do wrong? You know, because they'll figure like, you know, that's who I'm always talking to. You know, when he decided to run for office, you know, Uh, and some of them, they'll be like, hey, is that Greg Anthony? He running for Congress? Um, So I'm open to changing the aperture for people to see that this is just about having conversations about what is holding us back. This is about having conversations about what matters. Like one of the things I want to take on, because once you've played the game as long as I have, Stephen, the game becomes very apparent. So green energy, okay? Hurricane Ian happens. People say climate change. The right attacks him. Why are you talking about climate change when it's a hurricane? Hurricanes have always happened. You shouldn't even be having this conversation now. Now that I reject, in a moment of crisis is the time to talk about why the crisis happened. When you have a school shooting, it's the time to talk about why these things happen. When you have police uh, abuse of um, violence, that's the time to talk about it. There's no waiting Mm -hmm. period. That's bullshit. Uh, That's about playing to advantage. However, we talk about solar. We talk about wind. uh, And we talk about green, not green. Nobody talks about nuclear energy because you and I were raised to think that nuclear energy is the same thing as nuclear bombs. And it's like the Simpsons and everybody dies every time you use it. One, we still use it. It's 70% of our power. Two, the rest of the world is relying on it more and more. So it made me think when I had this time on my hands where I didn't have the exigency, the pressure of doing a show every day or two shows because I did radio also. um, I was like, wait a minute. What did I have wrong about this? Because why would these people be relying on a technology that kills you? It didn't make sense. 
So, I, so I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about things that we don't talk about because they don't fit in the game. That's where the multi-parties come from. I, got I don't it, want a third party. I want a right. third, fourth, and fifth. I don't want just a third party. But you and I both are in media. We're both in, we're both in media. And here's where my concern is. Okay, it's a startup. If anybody's got a chance to be successful, it was, it's Chris Cuomo. You're number one on CNN. We watched you religiously. Here's my issue. The world saw CNN prior to your arrival that tried to be neutral. We learned that, okay, Fox News, Roger Ailes, these guys come along. They bust onto the scene. They're generating ratings. Bill O'Reilly was there. He's the number one show for years, et cetera, et cetera. Sean Hannity, he's in that seat now. Not the same time slot, of course, but I'm just talking about in terms of cachet. You, CNN decides we're going to compete with that. And obviously they had you. They had Don Lemon. Success touched CNN in ways that we had not seen that before. I'm wondering now, when you talk about just telling it like it is, being fair, not necessarily taking sides, the audience seems to want to gravitate towards one particular side or the other, as opposed to the truth that Chris Cuomo might drop on them. You're not concerned about that at all? I'm, uh, I'm counting on it because there's a reason that Good Morning America has more viewers than all three cable morning shows combined. And it's because most people are not waking up thinking left, right. They're thinking reasonable. What can I learn about my kids? What can I learn about my passions? What's going on with entertainment? What's going on with my money? They don't live and breathe politics the way we do on cable TV. And those are the people I want to talk to. I want to talk to people who care, but they're not obsessed with it the way that you and I are with sports. Our politics were never supposed to be like our sports affinities, where you have a team regardless of the rationale, you know, where you like them no matter what, and you'll say they're good, even though you know they stink. And you'll say this is going to be the year for the Knicks when I know that's not true. That's not what our politics are supposed to be, and that's what it's become. So I'm betting on that. And I know it's not CNN, but here's something else I learned. I don't need to be the biggest. I don't need to be the best. I just need to do what I think matters and help the way I can. And if I have a smaller audience, which I'm sure I will, but it's a different audience and it's people who aren't used to watching cable news and they're watching it for not left, right, but reasonable. That's my sweet spot. Now, look, that's why I got in trouble at CNN with some of the people at CNN and with other cable people. They wanted to push me in as a lefty. But <clears throat> one, I worked at Fox News for Roger Ailes. And anybody who knows me, there's a big difference between me chasing uh, then Donald Trump, then President Trump for lying and attacking institutions for gratuitous benefit to himself and me being a lefty. Right. Um, I, you know, I vote for Democrats when there's one condition met. The name's Cuomo. Your name's Cuomo? I'll vote for you. Um, otherwise, the only reason I vote is because my wife forces me to go with her because I don't want to deal with all the questions when I go there. Mm -hmm. People watching me, trying to see how I figure out, fill out my ballot, follow me around, saying shit. You know, I'm in a different position. Um, it, it's, I know what's true and what isn't true. And I know what mm -hmm. the opportunity is and where I can help. I'm not going mm -hmm. to be the oracle of the left. I'm not going to be uh, some convert of now I'm a conservative because I'm mad at the media and the media is lefty. That's all BS. I am 
good at understanding why things are being played the way they're being played. For instance, I could do it on anything, but for instance, you just had a vote to have more mental health access in schools. Okay? Yeah. Some of it by teachers being trained to figure out when somebody's in distress and guide that person towards getting some, some help. No Republicans voted for it. Why? Because they hate mental health. No. They talk about mental health all the time when there's a school shooting because it gets you away from the gun issue. Right. Because they didn't get other things in the bill that they wanted. They wanted more money for armed security, you know, training and that kind of stuff, making them harder targets. That's the game. That's right. So you don't vote for something that you know is good because you didn't get everything that you wanted in it. Now, the left will right. do the same thing. That's why we haven't gotten any change on immigration. But I believe just because the game is played by both sides doesn't mean it's played the same way or to the same degree. The right has made choices in embracing Trump that they would have never made if they weren't in an existential fear that he can beat them. Um, you know, and all you have to do is just look at the before and after. You look at Cruz before, you look at Lindsey right. Graham before, you look at Mitch McConnell you know, before, and after right. they realized Trump could beat them, and right. they just stopped saying all the things they used to say. So that's where I'm at. I see the game, Stephen, the way you do it when you're hearing about trade rumors, when you're listening to what uh, uh, is being reported about um, a, a basketball player and what they say they want. You like right. say, hey, I know what this is really about because I know people around them. I've heard what this guy is, what this cat's talked about before. Mm -hmm. I know where this team's head is. This is not right. what it seems. This is what it is. That's your gift. Right. I'm a poor man's version of that in politics. But you get on folks for, you know, like you said, you're going to hold them accountable and don't, cut, don't try to come spin you and lie to you or what have you. And sometimes I've looked at you and I've said, Chris, I get you. You're absolutely right. But don't they always do that? Why are we acting like this is foreign? That they're going to tell the truth. They're going to give spin. They're going to give the interpretation because they're about influencing a constituency, not necessarily about telling the truth because their priority is remaining I'm in okay office. With all that. What do you say? You get your own spin. Okay. You just don't get your own facts. Yep. And you don't get to impress people by saying, I know you asked me why I'm better. I'm just going to say the other guy sucks. I'm just going to say they're worse. Whatever you accuse me of, I'm going to say that uh, they, they did it worse. And here's what I ask people to think about. You don't apply that standard to anywhere else in your life. Nowhere. You would never apply it to how you deal with your kids. You know, mm -hmm. why'd you get a 75? Hey, my, my, my boy got a 68. What? what? Right. You know, we would never apply it there. Your spouse would never let you get away with it. Your boys would never let you get away with it. You know, your bosses would never right. let But we allow it in politics. And that's the mistake. Yeah. we got to start holding it to the same standard that we do everything else in our lives. And that's what regular people do. A, a couple of questions and then I'll let you get out of here because thank you so much for the time you've given me already. We've got midterms coming up in a month. We've got one side on the right. They're focused on crime. They're focused on the economy. Um, they're focused on immigration. We've got the left. They're thinking about the overturning of Roe v. Wade uh, primarily. That's what you that's what you're seeing from the left, along with a bevy of other things as well. How concerned are you? Do you find yourself being at this particular moment in time? I think that things are better than they're perceived because of our reliance on social media as a barometer and social media is not um, reality. I was just looking at a recent study uh, that was a huge sample size. The number of people who see themselves as strong Democrat or strong Republican is less than 20 percent. Mm. Most people are center, left or right. So the good news is we're not how it plays on cable TV and on social media. 
I don't think there's going to be a big wave. I think it's going to come down to some key races. I think that the right has bigger challenges, even though they have a historical advantage, right? The out party does well in first term, midterms um, for a president, right? So Biden's first set of elections should usually beat his beat him up. That's historically what happens. But they've made such extreme bets on a fringe. Now, the good news is the fringe comes out in midterms more than regular people. Uh, and that's the challenge for the Democrats. How do you get regular people who don't usually vote in the midterms to come out and care? That's their challenge. But the right has put itself in a worse position because they're all about fear. Every issue and position they have is about fear. They didn't even talk about making things better anymore. They just say, vote for me so I can fight against the guy who's going to make it worse. And I think that the challenge for Democrats, and there's something that, you know, anybody who considers themselves a Democrat who's listening to you needs to ask themselves a question. And I'm going to get in trouble for this, but that's okay. The Democrats' proposition is we're better than they are. We're better. We're about making things better. Um, people like our policies more, you know, certainly when it comes to reproductive rights. The idea that the country split on reproductive rights is not true. It's like 70-30 people believe women should have reproductive rights. You got over half that's the country right. is women. Um, so that's not true that we're divided on that. And I think that the right is going to deal a little bit with the dog that caught the car syndrome, which is it was great to talk about getting rid of it, rallied the fringe. But now that you did it, you may pay a price. We'll see. Yes. But for Democrats, if you're better, why would it ever be the case that you put Democrat dollars into backing extreme right candidates in primaries? Absolutely. Backing it really, really bothers me. Oh, I hated it. I said, you know what? You've compromised yourself. Don't come to us ever again talking about what this country doesn't and need. And it got too little coverage because, for good and bad reason, are there a lot of lefties in the media? Yes. Is that absolutely a bad thing? No, because the media is set up to protect the little guy. And the left had been more about protecting the little guy until recently, where at least the rhetoric is now the right is talking about more the little guy than the left does. They have to right. deal with that also. But they don't cover it because they're so concerned about all the lying and the divisiveness on the right that they don't police the left the same way. I think that's a mistake because people pick up on it. And I think that you should trust people. You don't have to shade shit for people. Trust them. Tell them how it is. Tell them how you see it. And that's what I want to have on my show. I want to have a lot more perspective from smart people who are watching what the, everybody else is watching, but they're not necessarily players in it. That's what I'm looking to do. That's, and I'm going to go to breaking news, which we've gotten out of the business of because it's too expensive. That's why I went to Ukraine on my own. I would go right. to Ukraine. I would go to Iran. I will go to Jackson, Mississippi. Mm. Because this is crazy. A capital city doesn't have yeah. running water. And we, uh, nobody goes there. Nobody talks about it anymore. Wow. Before I let you go, last question. I'm going to make a statement and then I'm going to have a last question. Can I dunk? Yes. Not the way I used to be able to. <laughs> I got you. Well, that's better than me with my knees. But I'll tell you this. As it pertains to your brother. Yeah. I want you to let him know. I hope he's in office again. I want him to run. I don't want him to give up. Okay. And I want you to, if you get an opportunity, tell him I said so. I want him to run again. I want to, I'm talking about for the president. I'm talking about for the presidency of the United States. I'm not talking about going back to the, uh, you know, to the governor's seat in New York City. I'm talking about for the presidency of the United States of America. I would love to see your brother competing for that and going for that. With that said, here's my last question to you. With everything that's transpired and as you reflect on everything that you've talked about and you've been through over the last few months and him as well. What do you see for him in the near future? And what should we see from Chris Cuomo? <clears throat> Me? 
it's just trying to be my best and to appreciate the opportunity. You know, you don't know what you got till it's gone. Um, now that I've had a taste of that, and again, I'm not over-dramatizing it. I'm not a victim. I'm healthy. I'm good. I had some cash in the bank, not like I did before, but, you know, I was okay. But I value the opportunity in a way I didn't before. Uh, and so I think that that will be apparent to people. I mean, I always did the job full out. I, I have a lot of critics. Nobody has ever said I don't work hard. Nobody has ever said that I don't go where the, where the, uh, the story is and stay there. But I'm different now. This changed me. I'm not even completely sure how in a lot of ways, because I'm not a great uh, introvert. I'm not, I'm not a great self-examiner and self-reflector. I'm working on it, but I know I'm different. And everybody around me says um, that I'm different. Things don't bother me the same way anymore because my perspective has shifted. You know, I really only care about checking the big boxes. Is everybody healthy? Um, you know, is everything basically okay? Then everything else is gravy. Um, you know, and I wasn't like that before. I was more, I was more, uh, penny ante, I think. For my brother, here's my problem with this. As a brother, I do not want him to listen to you. Um, okay. I want him to make some money, enjoy his life, and not have to look over his shoulder every two seconds. Politics is in a bad place. Um, and, if he were a Republican, he'd probably still be in office. But his party's got rules and requirements and a dynamic in it that I don't know what it means for him. But I know that everybody who gets involved in that game right now bleeds. So as a brother, I feel like he's bled enough. He has this, in my opinion, and I say this to him all the time, it is almost irrational to me how driven he is to service. Him starting the pack, I was okay with that. He's starting a pack. He's got a big war chest. Money, money, money talks. Good. You use it and fund people. I'm okay with that. Um, the gun thing, he and I don't see it the exact same way. I'm a gun owner. Um, but he's been on it for 20 years. Uh, he believes certain things about capacity and power of different types of weapons and controlling how it goes. I, I, I'm not against having it so the right people uh, get weapons and not the wrong people, but I don't think it's as simple as any single fix. Yeah. Um, but I worry for him to get back into a business that's so ugly. You know, when you love somebody, you don't want to see him go into a place where every punch lands. Um, but that said, he's got more of you in him than me. Um, he is about service. Look, we just went out today, right? He came here to see me, mm -hmm. make sure I'm all right, show me what I was doing wrong on his car. God forbid he just say what I'm doing is good enough with any, <laughs> God forbid, right? right so right, right. we then go out, get some coffee, get my son some breakfast. People are all over him. And I live in a very Republican place. The president won my community. Yes. Uh, the former president won my community. Yes. And... They were all over him. And, you know, he, I, I get it. And, and they say the same thing to him. I appreciate what you did for us. I appreciate what you did for us. You know, everybody's flawed. Everybody makes mistakes. He's owned his uh, as much as anybody, in my opinion. But, and it has hurt him, and he feels it as much as anybody I've ever been around in my life. The man has deep, deep feelings of disappointment and shame, uh, and 
he wishes so much that he could do things differently. But that's life. Life is lived going forward. And when they say to him, thank you for what you did for us. Thank you for the service. Thank you for this. I see how in him it, it, it hurts him to hear it because he is disappointed in himself that he's not able to do it anymore. And as long as I've known him, that's all he's ever been about. That guy has never wanted to make money ever in his life. He got the same thing my father had. Only, you could get my father to do anything. He'd be like, hey, you gotta do my podcast. He'd be like, Stephen A. Smith, I love him. I, I, I like that guy, man. He's always yelling. I like it. I like that he yells. Um, and, and, he, and, he, and you'd say, yeah, yeah, we're going to pay you X thousand. I don't, want, I, don't, I don't want any money. Let me check my schedule. He had like an allergy to money. Andrew's the same way. Me, not so much. That's why, I'm, that's why maybe I'm in this business, not in politics. But um, I think that you're probably right in your instincts about where his head is. But as a brother and somebody who loves him and has seen what he's gone through. And look, people can say, I think he did this wrong. I think he did that wrong. I think you did this wrong. I think you did that wrong. Fine. Doesn't mean that the person that you're criticizing didn't feel pain. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Somebody could be wrong and yeah. still suffer. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, people have to keep their mind open. Uh, that's why I love the name of your podcast. That's what I want to end on. No Mercy, K-N-O-W. That's right. Lots of entendres, lots of labels. Why? Because yeah. that's one of my favorite words, by the way. Grace and mercy are my two favorite words. Why no mercy? Because of what you explained, because sometimes mercy is required. Um, I think that we all make mistakes. None of us uh, can avoid or can avoid being flawed. We're all flawed in, flawed in the eyes of God. The question is, what are you going to do? Not just when you get yourself up. But when somebody has the compassion and the mercy to help lift you up from whatever abyss that you're in, when that happens, how much better can you be? How much better can you be for yourself? How much better can you be for your family? How much better can you be for society? It's one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you so badly, because I wanted you to know, listen, regardless of the mistakes, you've done so much good. Don't forget it. Don't forget what you mean to so many people out here that you did so much for by speaking your truth and edifying and educating all of us. I walk out and I tackle certain issues and I have a certain belief and then I listened to a Chris Cuomo and I say, wait a minute, I might need to rethink that. I might need to be a bit careful about that. I might not have all my ducks in order as it pertains to this. And I think about things along those lines and you can say the same thing about your big brother. I remember reading him and he said the other day, he called out President Biden and Nancy Pelosi and, and others and said he, they never called him. And he didn't talk about whether they believed him or not or anything like that. He said they never called him before they wanted him gone after years and years of knowing. And my attitude is who can't relate to that? Who can't relate to having friends and loved ones? And then the minute adversity hits, all of a sudden they turn their back and they act like they don't know you. I can look you in the face if I knew Chris Cuomo and I'm friends with him. I could sit up there and say, hey, dude, I wish you would have done this differently. I think you messed up here, but I got you. And I'm here for you. Now let's do what we can to rectify the situation and march forward. I ain't going to let you lay down. I'm not going to let you lay down and wither away. That's what no mercy is all about to me. And that's why I wanted that title. I think it's very powerful. I think it's purposeful. You know, you know who's there. You know, when everything else is bad, family is there. Uh, If you're lucky enough to have it. A lot of people don't. And a lot of us make our own. I've done that. You know, people say, oh, you're going to find out who your friends are. I know who my friends are. Everybody (laughs) I expected to be there 
for me. You know, you know, in our business, we got lots of different layers of relationships. That's right. Um, and I, this went exactly how I thought it was going to be in terms of how people in my life responded to me. That was never an issue um, right. for me. But it's such a powerful reminder, mercy and grace, especially for people who have faith, because we do not practice it. Christians are some of the nastiest people on social media, <laughs> self-proclaimed right. Christians. Right. Um, and I think it's really important for you to remind. I, look, it's been a great reminder to me. The only thing I'll do definitely differently is I'm going to talk a lot more about my own fragility and my own struggles and what works for me and what doesn't. Because right. I really do believe that it's the only way to push past the stigma in our society. That like people see me and it's like, you know, there's a 6'2", 230 pound guy, lifts weights. He's a self-defense instructor. This is what he does. This guy's tough. I struggle. I struggle with fear. I struggle with, with being able to be enough, with living up to my responsibilities, with making up for my mistakes. And I don't think that makes me different than most people, but we don't talk about it. And I think it's a mistake. And I really believe that what you're doing here is a big, big ingredient in the stew that we all need to start cooking together to get us to a better place. Absolutely. And I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm definitely going to need your help. And I'm here to help you in any way that I possibly can. The Chris Cuomo Project, that's your podcast. Obviously, you've got your new show on News Nation. I can't wait. I appreciate you. I need you. And I look forward to you helping me. No mercy. This industry needs you, my brother. I'm always here for you whenever you need me. Thank you so much for being on. This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh -huh. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high? Thanks so much to Chris Cuomo for coming on No Mercy with yours truly, Stephen A. Smith. I got to tell y'all, that was one of the greatest interviews I've ever had the pleasure of conducting in my career. From a standpoint of honesty, falling on your proverbial sword, accepting accountability, and just being human. Listening to Chris Cuomo say what he said, Talk the way that he talks. Confessing that, yeah, he was in therapy before, but then he needed them for himself in the aftermath of all that transpired with him and CNN. To have to go through what he had to go through, albeit to some degree self-inflicted. Having that willingness to articulate that and to say it to everybody as plain and as simple as he did I can't thank him enough. He didn't have to do that, ladies and gentlemen. Newsflash, he's employed. Newsflash, he's got a podcast, he's got a job. Newsflash, he had money in the bank. Newsflash, he comes from essentially a political dynasty in the Cuomos. He didn't have to be that honest and that forthcoming and that forthright, but he was. And I think that the conversation that he and I had should serve as an inspiration to all of us. Because guess what, ladies and gentlemen? You want, you want me to tell you what you should peel from that? He's free now. He said what he said. He owned up to what he did. And he said it and he spoke it plain and as day 
not in search of compassion or sympathy, just a speck of decency. And at the end of the day, we all should give it because I got news for you. We're going to need the Chris Cuomo's of the world moving forward. We're going to need them. And I'm going to tell you why. Brace yourself for what I'm about to say. We're going to need Hannity too. Oh, damn, Stephen A., you didn't go there. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. You see, because without a three part, uh, 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 something other than a two-party system, all we can do is listen to one extreme to the next. What I'm saying to y'all is pay attention to what I'm saying here. If you don't have a three-party system, or as Cuomo said, a three-party, a four-party, a five-party system, and you're a prisoner to the two-party system, the Democrats and the Republicans, guess what? All you have to go on is one being obviously slanted to one side and the other being obviously slanted to the other side. Listen to both and deduce what you can deduce from it. What other choice do we have? Somebody going to be in office. So I've never been an advocate of don't vote. I was allowed to vote for presidential in the presidential campaign for the first time in 1988. I was 19 years old. I voted for Michael Dukakis. I was convinced that the George H.W. Bushes of the world and the Bush family and all of this other stuff, you know, they weren't for black people. CIA, former vice presidential candidate, you know, all of this stuff that you heard. And I bought it hook, line, and sinker. I bought it again with Bill Clinton. Now, I don't regret voting for Bill Clinton. He was a lot of fun. I ain't gonna lie. I mean, it, you know, he wasn't quite Trump, you understand? But but Bill Clinton was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I think uh, Cedric the Entertainer said it best in, in Kings of Comedy. When you talk about, you know, we talk about it at the time, this is, this is before Barack Obama, of course, when they did it. In 2000, and they were talking about, you know, we talk about we want a black president. Sometimes black folks talk about stuff and ask for stuff we ain't really, really, really ready for. Oh, you want a black president? You want a black president? He said, hold on now, hold on now. You know, we got Bill Clinton. That's close enough. That's how he joked about it. And it was funny because a lot of us felt that way. But you know what isn't funny? What isn't funny is that crime bill in 1994 that led to mass incarceration. But is it funny that one of the people who pushed it more than anybody was then Senator Joe Biden? What's real and really isn't funny is that you can't even blame Joe Biden because back then he had the support of various African-Americans in government, like former Representative Charles Rangel. Like the Congressional Black Caucus, they were all pushing for that crime bill. It wasn't just some white dude standing up on Capitol Hill that had no association, no affiliation whatsoever with African-Americans and what plagued the African-American community. There were African-Americans pushing for that stuff to be legislated and put into law as well. And of course, we can look at 
education reform, welfare reform, the economy, and the fact that we're always behind the eight ball. And we hear about these policies that are supposed to support the African-American community. And I'm not saying it doesn't. And we hear about the heightened level of sensitivity that the Democratic Party has to the little man compared to the Republican Party. And I'm not saying that's false. I'm saying there's always a retort to everything. So we look at it from that side and we look at how they talk about free market capitalism. And less government and holding on to to traditional and social values. Harkening back to a time that was just so much better for the United States of America. Oblivious to how black people were affected. And it makes it easy to side with the Democratic Party. And then you turn around. And then you say, well, wait a minute here. What's wrong with free market capitalism? We do want to get paid. What's wrong with being anti-socialist? Do we really believe that everybody deserves the same? That government can be so intrusive that everything is such bureaucratic. It's so bureaucratic, rife with red tape. Do we really, really want that life for ourselves? All of these things matter. All of a sudden you look to the right and you say, okay, well, that's not so bad. We can't find anything that definitively makes any sense For both parties to come together and say, hey, we get that. Let's work this out. Sometime in the future, I need to do something on both sides. And literally, the subject needs to be compromise. When has it ever existed? Because I don't know. I'm still looking. Maybe it exists. My sense is it needs to continue to exist. Maybe, just maybe, what could help that reach that fruition to come to light is if there truly was a third party system. Something that allowed us to say, Democrats, you don't get to take the African-American vote for granted anymore. Republicans get with the program and adapt to modern times because white folks don't just make up 85 plus percent of the population any longer. You had about 60% in dwindling. According to the United States Census Bureau report that I read at least over a year ago, by the year 2030, the Hispanic community is expected to take up approximately 17, I'm sorry, approximately 30% of the U.S. population. It's at around 17, 18% right now. Something's got to change. Problem is, we keep talking about what change needs to be made while both parties find a way or strive to find a way to benefit for themselves. And what we need is to find a way to ensure that the American people are going to be the ones who benefit, not some party. And the only way to pull that off is to put both parties on their heels. You don't get to take us for granted because I'm going to just speak to you and I'm going to end this as a black man. And I'm going to say this new on numerous occasions. This ain't the first time I'm going to say it. It ain't the last time I'm going to say it. Let me tell y'all something. This is the number one reason I define myself as an independent or as Chris Cuomo would say, a free agent. 
If you are transparent in your support, in this case, for the sake of this argument with the Democratic Party, you have given that party a license to take advantage of you. As a result, the other party gets to say, we ain't going to get your support any damn way, so why bother? And as a result, they ignore you. And the ultimate result is that you're the disenfranchised community that isn't represented. Because one party gets to take you for granted. The other party gets to assume they don't have your support. And no one is really supporting you when it really, really counts. It has to change. And the only way for it to change is for neither side to know they'll get our vote. So both sides will have to work for our vote. And as a result, they'll have to sell us on what they're offering and what they're bringing to the table. As a result, they'll have to capitulate to our wishes and our demands. And only then will true representation take place. No one will be extreme. Everybody will veer towards the middle because they'll be scared of alienation. That's how we win. That's how we assist in making this world a better place. Step one is telling both the Democrats and the Republicans, we ain't satisfied with neither one of y'all. And we're not accepting that we have to accept y'all. We got to find another way. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen? It's not as hard as you think. If you really think about it, you do it every day. Buying a car, buying a house, buying clothes, going out to restaurants. It doesn't matter. When there's purchasing power, you exercise discretion in the things and places that you choose to spend your money. Treat your vote the same way. And watch how your world changes. I got to get on out of here. But I'll be back every Monday, every Wednesday, every Friday. I know you're kind of shocked at the kind of subjects that I'm tackling. But you shouldn't be by now. After all, I did warn you. You don't have to know sports to know mercy. Signing off. Until next time. Peace and love, everybody. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13, an Odyssey company in association with Stephen A. Podcast Productions. Episodes of No Mercy are available now for free wherever you get your podcasts.